0: We're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations
1: and insights from experts in multiple industries. Welcome to Wayfinding Growth. This episode is brought to you by Impulse Creative. I'm Jackie, and if you wanna see real results and work with great humans to grow your business, then Impulse Creative is your agency, and I'm your contact. Reach out to me through our website, impulsecreative.com today, and let's chart your course for growth. From a website that will get results to helping implement a marketing strategy, we're here to help your business grow. What's
2: up everybody, I'm Remington. Welcome Wayfinders, I'm Dan, and we're glad you're here on this journey with us. Today's episode, we get to talk with MK Gettler, who's a digital marketing professional with extensive experience creating content-rich, metrics-driven campaigns, which sounds so awesome for a marketer, right? But she's also, uh, you know I, know, I know her personally. Uh, she works for this company called Alice, which is her newest gig. Um, yeah. I first met MK back when she was my inbound marketing consultant at HubSpot when I was a client of HubSpot long before Impulse Creative. Um, That's awesome. So yeah, so we had a, a great conversation. But this this Alice company, I think, is really cool because it's this ABM gifting platform and personal yep. experience evangelist company. Mm-hmm. And so it's all about experience, Remington. So it is I'm excited for this. What did you get out of the uh, interview
1: that I had with her? Yeah, so um, really, really kind of upset after watching that that I missed it. So um, <laughs> it was, it, it, I she seems like she is a just a ball of fire in regards to like you know um, some of the some of the areas where she went super deep, and then her vast experience. I think one of the things I love most is she. I think she even joked about it a couple of times. It's like non-traditional way of coming up through the ranks. Mm-hmm. Like she her background is really diverse. And I think that in marketing, that gives a huge opportunity for you to be um with that having that diverse background it gives you a huge opportunity where you can like double down and look at things from a fresh perspective. And she mentioned that a few times too, is like looking at things um outside the box. You can tell that that she is like she operates outside the box in general with her approach to things. And I think that's one of the areas where um, Alice really fits because you could tell they're doing something different too. Um, I loved how she talked about that, like the difference between personalization and being personalized. Mm. So I thought that that was really unique. Um, And, you know, and that got me thinking about a couple other episodes ago where we were talking about focusing on the things that are unscalable you know, it, it really kind of ties into this whole, this whole thing. And just the concept of, you know, personalized versus personalization. Um, There's a different, it serves two different purposes. Personalization is so that I can cater to, I can cater to you. Personalized is I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to do something for you. So I thought it was really, it was, it was really neat. It was cool to listen to third party, but I wish I was there.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I like how she, she talks about that, that personalization thing and how much it, it was, she said it bridges the divide between the screens. Mm, yeah. Which, you know, we recorded this months ago when we were not social distancing. Like when this comes out, we, you know, some places still are, but like yep. now it's so much more important to bridge that divide between the screens Absolutely. At least it feels like, you know, but, but it's, it's important just in general, because we are all so remote. You're able to do this thing, give somebody a true personalized experience with, you know, software and that kind of stuff. But also with that going from one to many down Mm -hmm. to one to one, Mm -hmm. right? It's such a cool thing. So I I think, you know, uh, everything that you just said, plus thinking about bridging the divide between the screens, this, this is a a hefty episode on experience. So I'm excited for it. Yeah. You ready for this? Let's go. Season three, episode 11. Let's set that course for growth. MK Gettler, welcome to Wayfinding Growth. Thanks for making some time to share your journey with viewers and listeners.
0: I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this really awesome creative process.
2: Uh, It is It is. It is awesome. I got to say, like, not, not that it's me, but like, I love doing this stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm very fortunate. So, so MK, in, in your intro, I talked a little bit about where you are and who, and, and who you are and, and what you do, but as the director of customer marketing for Alice, uh, let's, let's chart the course a little bit. And I want to hear in your words, how you got to where you are today.
0: How that is a wild, topsy-turvy journey, um, <laughs> it's, and it's a fun one, too. I, I uh, pride myself on taking the non-traditional route to where I am today. Um, And I love uh, improvisation and I love being spontaneous and my journey uh, through Mm -hmm. life has actually really helped me get to where I am now and um, picked up lots of little nuggets along the way to help foster and facilitate this, this adventure that I'm on now. Um, I cut my teeth in the business world, honestly, working at Starbucks. (laughs) Um, I was a part of their management team there. I learned a lot of really valuable lessons in people management and business management um, and ended up taking that journey and taking those lessons and realizing that I have a lot of really awesome skills, but they may not have been applied in the the right place at Starbucks. So I I took some time Mm -hmm. off, I traveled the world a bit and uh, hit hard reset and um, found myself getting uh, looped into some really cool projects in the startup space. And that's where with one of those startup spaces, I I learned actually about HubSpot. Uh, And my journey in the marketing world and in the software world really started, just it took root at HubSpot. I I cannot thank that team enough for the opportunities and experiences that presented themselves to me. So um, I worked in so many different roles and capacities at HubSpot, and that was kind of the the phase we were in at HubSpot, too, where we we were small, we were scrappy, we were looking for folks who were okay with taking a risk and trying new things. And so um, I had the honor of working as a marketing consultant then, working with our uh, e-commerce integrations, found our way to our corporate consulting team where we worked with awesome customers, like AmeriFirst, where <laughs> you and I first crossed paths. Yeah. Um, and I got to just learn about all these really cool problems out there that marketers um, and sales reps actually were, were solving. Um, and they were really interesting problems for me too, especially given the, the various discipl- areas of discipline that they were in. So when you and I got to, to work together, I learned a lot about mortgages that I never thought I would get to know. Or I worked for, more <laughs> want to know for that matter, um, I worked with like an equine and bovine, um, uh, like ultrasound and x-ray technical product where they had physical products and they needed to bring out to the field for those that worked in the bovine and equine industry. Again, learned a ton of information that has still not presented itself as useful yet. I'm sure one day <laughs> it might. Um, and then you know i got I got to just like understand some of these really interesting and complex problems that people from all different walks of life all different types of industries learned uh, to solve um at that point in time, that that um, some of the success I had seen there was was opening opportunities for me at HubSpot. I get to travel the world and start um, in Sydney, Australia. Start our customer success team down there. I get to spend some time with our team in Singapore as we were up off opening offices there too. And I think that that knowledge on a more global scale of understanding some of the the challenges that teams were facing globally in terms of their marketing initiatives, but also learning how to teach folks how to do marketing um, at HubSpot so that they could teach other folks how to do marketing. It's kind of Mm. meta, I know, but that transference of knowledge on a global scale was something that really fascinated me and HubSpot asked me to um, help problem solve as well too with um, building programming at scale for their global teams. So I was Mm. teaching marketing consultants how to teach others how to do marketing and got got really passionate about like people operations and people development and um that people development route taught me a lot of really interesting things about building messaging and educational content that helps people grow and flourish and there's a tenet of educational content and what we're doing in marketing um and there's a tenet of Mm -hmm. driving people's engagement with that content in learning most audiences don't Ever want to sit in a formal learning environment? They want to be like learn. They want to learn in disguise, mm-hmm. and so learning how to use facets of instructional design to package information in a way that is engaging, and in a way that is um, you know thought provoking, further helped to actually foster my initial uh, passion for for marketing. Um, so so after you know I left HubSpot, I um, had an opportunity to work for really another really cool Boston based startup company where they asked me to help build other people operations function. Um, and I was super excited about that opportunity, but I realized that I was spending more and more time and gravitating more and more towards their marketing team and Mm. helping their marketing team solve those problems. And I was like, why am I denying myself, um, this, this passion that I have for marketing. So, um, a mentor of mine from HubSpot started a new adventure down in Dallas, Texas, working at another. Startup company. And, um, you know, I was interested again to get back to my marketing roots, and it was just the right mm-hmm. opportunity to hit a hard reset. Um, so I, I moved to Dallas, Texas, which was never something I would have foreseen in the cards for me. And um, <laughs> yeah. ended up taking a role as a director of Demand Gen down there, um, where really I, I got back to my roots of like foundational marketing, where we build. Marketing that is educational, that is mm-hmm. thought-provoking, pr- thought-provoking, and that is um, building uh, the type of culture where people want to come back and naturally gravitate towards uh, information that they were gathering from your brand. Um, and now here I am. Um, I had an exceptional experience with the company that I'm in now, called Alice. Um, where we, what we want to do is, is take the personal experiences and build businesses that don't feel like one to many. They, they feel more one-to-one, more relationship based. And we do this here at ALICE through um, personal gift giving. Um, we use, you know, artificial intelligence to help identify potential gifts that might fit the gift recipient. Um, But we encourage, mostly, we encourage businesses to think through the person on the receiving end of the gift and understand what their motivations are, understand what their passions are, and relate to them on that one-to-one level instead of doing that, you know, the classic spray and spray model that has worked really well for the marketing industry over the last, you know, 20 years, but it doesn't work anymore because everybody's doing that. So (laughs) we need to figure a way through to cut through the noise. So I'm honored and privileged to work for a company here that just, that really cares about the people. They really care about solving complex problems. Um, And I really love the fact that I get to now spend some time working in my old walks of life, working with the customer service, customer first mentality, and build thought-provoking educational content and programming that helps people really activate what, you know, really fundamentally what we're all predestined to do, which is to work in this one-to-one very personal level with one another.
2: Yeah. It's incredible that technology has allowed us to go one-to-many, and yet here we are going back to this one-to-one because that's really what moves us.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I love that you thought about that, too, and that that going back thing is something we talk about a lot in our team meetings where we're hearkening back the days of yesteryear when, you know, there there was the door-to-door sales folks that would sell vacuums. Right, (laughs) And the really good door to door sales folks would literally be immersed in that person's life, they would see, you know, the toys scattered on the ground if they had kids or they would see the type of aesthetic or artwork they would have and they would pull from those data points and understand how to use that data point to build some sort of relationship and orientation around those data points to earn trust. And to start to foster a much more, um, you know, productive conversation, which fundamentally, we're just around vacuums, right? <laughs> it was just a vacuum. Right, right. Do you have a mess or do you not have a mess? <laughs> do you need a vacuum? Do you not need a vacuum? It's very transactional. Right. But, you know, by using relationship and building trust, there was a much, much easier fulcrum lever to pull to be able to get your foot in the door and to drive productive conversations around the usage of vacuums.
2: Yeah, yeah. Very utility- purchase, but also kind of an investment. Cause it, it, you know, especially back then it was a big one. So yeah, building that trust was so important, um, Yeah, which is what it is comes on to today again, right? People do business with people. They get to know, like, and trust. And so that trust factor comes into play. Um, I love that you've got an eclectic experience and you're not afraid to take risk. How big of a, of a part does that play in understanding where you are now at Alice with personal experience?
0: Yeah, that's a, it's an awesome question. And it's one that I, I don't realize is something that I lean into so heavenly. It's my, heavily is my, my risk-taking mentality. Um, for us at Alice to push an industry that has developed such deeply entrenched habits, and that habit is that, that combination of velocity and scale, and in being able to reach a huge audience and being able to do it at, such, at the blink of an eye, Um, we need to course correct some of these behaviors that have been fundamentally part of the MarTech space. And that's Mm going to require us to challenge the way everybody thinks about things as fundamental as email, right? Like, you know, you've received the same type, genre, aesthetic of email and marketing world. Um, and you know that they're using personalization tokens, you know, that they're using blanketed sentences that apply to everyone. And for us, we sit in our meetings and think like, okay, so how do we reimagine that one-to-many email to make it feel like it's one-to-one? Mm. And my like, risk-taking non-traditional mindset has forced me to you know, challenge the status quo and say like, yeah, I, there's, there's a better way for us to write this email. There's a better way for us to think through how we have the privilege of being in someone's inbox to make it important and valuable for us to interrupt their day and to clutter their inbox some more.
2: Yeah. So let's go back to Alice a little bit. Um, You talk about personal experience. How does that, how do you believe that differs from customer experience?
0: So what's really interesting is we think through the concepts of, of CX. So CX is this, um, We often, it's often represent, represented in this like very linear, um, almost transactional like graphic, but I actually see CX as this like very cyclical, very, uh, I, I, HubSpot does a really good job of depicting it in their flywheel concept. Um, But the cyclical nature and all the touch points or moments that are in the hands, actually, ultimately, of your customers as they interact with your your team. So it could be your sales reps. It could be your marketing. team, It could be social media team. It could be your customer success team. And all of those moments that uh, are around that wheel, that cyclical nature, have the option to look at PX and be, um, you know, be that, be personal. Um, I'll take an example of uh, social media, for example, if you see that, you know, someone is commenting on your brand social media, you could have that generic blanketed, hey, thanks for responding response, or you could say like, hey, Dan, really appreciate you taking the time to, to, you know, leave some, leave this comment, leave some love for us, saw that you love cats. We love cats too. here's like a cat gif, you know what I mean like there there's an option to to pull in that personal and bridge the divide between the screens and and turn these CX moments into pX moments.
2: Bridge the divide between the screens Man, that's good that's really <laughs> you know, good
0: that's why pay, that's why they pay me the big bucks here, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So how, So I, I love the idea of, of taking a, a CX world and making it more personal.
0: Hmm.
2: How, how do you keep that from becoming another buzzword, right? Like we think about, you said earlier, we, you kind of get a, like a thank you, right? I think of, hey, take this survey and we'll give you an Amazon gift card. That's mm-hmm. a personal experience, right? Because you can buy your own gift. I mean, that's okay, but like, how does it go beyond that? So I feel like personal experience is maybe where, maybe where the start, that's where it started. is like, how do we take that and go better? But now yeah. how how do you think like does, does it even keep you up at night at this point that you don't want this to become another buzzword?
0: Yeah, I, I think um I think it does keep me up at night that this is going to be like the next new marketing fad. You know, we're seeing CX starting to emerge, we're seeing ABM start to emerge.
2: Mm-hmm. We're in the,
0: the the age and era of alphabet soup where we right. have acronyms for anything and everything these days. Yeah. Um I will say that I'm not too worried about PX. Being a, a buzzword um, because it means that people's intentions are at least in the right place. Mm. Um, I, I if we can get people to the point of talking about PX and understanding the concept uh, of go, you know getting back to our roots and being personal again, I, I can I can live with that. What I think what keeps me up at night is the fact that people want to misidentify personalization with personal experience. Mm. So so personalization is actually similar to what you just talked about too, where you leave a review, you, you know, give that, you know, feedback on G2 crowd, for example, and in exchange, you get a $50 gift card. Now that's great. That's a one-to-many solution because it's, it's personalized. You know, you, you get that Amazon gift card. We assume you're going to, you have an Amazon account. <laughs> we assume you're going to buy something that you like or prefer on there but it would be super personal for your customer success rep to reach out to you and say, hey, Dan, you know, we have been working on such really cool challenges and it's an honor and privilege to work for you. I just, I was hoping that you'd be able to leave us a G2 crowd, you know, review. And in exchange, I thought, you know, I would just thank you uh, by treating you and your wife to, you know, a sunset cruise around Boston Harbor or something like that. Then that's taking the same dollar value amount that you would have for the Amazon gift card, but just turning that into something that shows, like, I care about you as a person, I care about the problems that we're solving. And I also care that you have this whole five to nine, p, nine, like 5pm to 9am life where you spend time with your family and your wife is your priority. And you know, your daughters are also your priority as well. And I'm just recognizing all these things and, and using the relationship <clears throat> to show you how much I recognize you as the individual.
2: Humanizing your customers.
0: Totally, right? totally.
2: Yeah. And I I love the, the five to nine thing. So is that something that Alice coined long ago? Is that something that's come out of things recently? Like, where did that come from?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good story. We um, are, are uh, members of our brand team. So Paul Schauder, uh and one of our original marketing members of the team, Nina uh, Butler, came up with this concept of like the five to nine. Um, we were talking about how, you know, as everybody's living these, like we're, we're really trying to get our messaging in front of everybody's nine to five. And as we were starting to realize what messaging resonates, it's honestly the, the messaging of the five to nine that resonates with folks. Um, i don't know about uh, about you but the only emails that i really pay attention to in my personal inbox are like the emails that i'm getting from brands that help me tap into my five to nine um a good example of this is uh, i snowboard i love snowboarding every weekend i can get up in the mountains i'll snowboard (laughs) and so the emails that i get from my favorite snowboarding brand burton that have a picture of someone up you know going down a run or like covered in powder like that is helping me tap into my 5 to 9 and get through the work day so i can just like get to the weekends so i can get up to the slopes right and so we started thinking through like you know that that 5 to 9 that's where emotion is being evoked that's where people actually end up getting personal how do we spend more time activating and recognizing people's 5 to 9 and, and acknowledging that in you know the the 9 to 5 forums that's the five to nine is totally okay and the five to nine is actually what gets us motivated and recharged so that we can seize the day in our
2: nine to five yeah that's good and it it does i mean it's it's the emotional like we don't make purchases based on logic we make them on emotion at all levels Yeah,
0: yeah completely i um i i just uh wrote up this article recently about the biology of how and why we use emotion as one of our bases of decision-making. You know, it, we're predestined for it, we have, we have no choice. Our, our frontal lobes, our frontal cortex, where a lot of the logic-based, pragmatic-based thought processes are happening, developed more recently for us as, you know, like vertical <laughs> humans, right. primates, if you will. But, you know, our, our, um, our primal cortex, the types of things that pre-existed any of this logic and pragmatic thought process that we had really was based on emotion. It was based on that sentiment where we didn't have logic, we didn't have complex thought processes, to weigh the pros and cons of things, it was really just our gut instinct on things. Um, and so we default to that decision-making processor more often than we do to this more modern cortex of our brains, and that's why we we all think about like, oh, it's a gut decision, or like, oh, you know, like, I made this decision based on the fact that I trusted that person, even though there were like four or five different vendors that offered the exact same thing. You just trusted that person more, and that's that that really primal cortex function that's that's making the decision for us.
2: Yeah. And so much of our day is the, that five to nine and that's where the emotion comes in. So if you can tap into that for me, I'm in. So exactly, yeah, yeah. that's good stuff. MK. I love that. So let's go back to you a little bit here. I want to, I want to figure out as, as a digital marketing professional, what has been one of your shipwrecks that you've had to navigate through your journey?
0: Oh yeah. Uh, one of many, we can just like pick <laughs> all of them. Um, <laughs> so I, I love the journey that I went on because of the different skill sets that I got to learn. I wouldn't say it was ever really, I I try to look at my life as like it was a ton of shipwrecks, but it was how I navigated through the shipwrecks that made them not as terrible, not as Mm -hmm. um, awful as they were. Mm -hmm. Um, I would consider one of the things as I'm, as I'm looking through like the landscape, the MarTech landscape now, as I'm looking through the resources that are available to us now, um, the time that I took to take a different journey that wasn't in the marketing space um, was one of the times where I look back and I, I look at the explosion of mediums, of channels that happened in the two years that I was in the learning and development and people operations space. And I I look at that today and I realize how little I knew about what was happening in those channels. And I kind of regret the fact that I didn't keep that edge sharp during that L and D time. I love the skills that I picked up at that time. I think my Mm. understanding of instructional design, my understanding of what motivates and compels people to ingest content um, was really valuable. But the the modality through which I can distribute that content has changed dramatically in the last two years and so i i kind of look back and then i'm like oh dang man I wish I, I wish I had like hit that edge sharp. So I don't like, I don't know how people are are ingesting information in this day and age. So
2: right. it wasn't
0: a shipwreck per se, but it was definitely a time where maybe I took the more circuitous route on the map. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> and
0: then, uh, now I'm realizing that like, oh, I should have stopped at, you know, that that little that little port there to understand and absorb that information that would have made my trip a lot more efficient.
2: Now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So if anybody's in that kind of that position right now where they've made that change or they're coming back to something and they're feeling that, that same kind of feeling, how have you been able to deal with that and maybe you know, bring yourself up to date or surround yourself with other people or what have you done to combat that, uh, that detour?
0: Yeah, I, I, um, I, I think of my dad when I think about how to fill in the gaps of uh, um, those knowledge gaps you might have and my dad always says that your net worth is, I'm sorry, your net work is your net worth, and um, you know I, that comes in handy in so many different ways. I mean, the way that I found myself here at Alice, the way I found myself at my pri- my previous companies, were all because I tapped into my network. But my mm. my brain trust of peers in this space is also part of my net worth, and they're helping me to mm. fill in the gaps that I don't know. So. I surround myself with folks who I know are on top of their A game or who are, have built out such an, an interesting discipline in the art of like of SEO or content creation or like even social and paid ads. Like, what are you, what are you guys even doing in those, those uh, channels? Hmm. I look at some folks who are in like intent data and like, how do I learn from intent data, which exploded over the last couple of years where I was, you know, taking some time off in the, the. Learning development, people up space. So, yeah. so I lean into the people that I see doing exceptionally well in those spaces, and then I just, I just get curious. I pick their brains. I'm am mm. o- okay with that um, moment of vulnerability where I'm like, I don't know what I don't know, and I just need to learn and absorb from you. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's part of my because my journey has always been kind of wild and and you know haphazard that I've learned, I've developed that skill in in asking questions and being curious and being okay with not knowing what I don't know.
2: Well, and and it's so important to, when you walk into a room, either virtually or in real life, to not think that you're the smartest person there, right? Like walk (laughs) in curious, walk in asking questions. I I love telling my story and giving advice as much as the next person, but I love just listening and, and learning. So yeah, yeah. what well, you said MK, I don't know what I don't know. So I mean, I'm, here to, I'm here to learn, yeah. Yeah, a yeah I,
0: I, I find myself craving that environment. Um, when, when I reach that certain place where I feel like um, I've either caught up to some of my peers in this space or caught up, you know, whether it be like mentally or emotionally caught up to, to folks and I'm not being challenged. I find myself kind of getting a little itchy, kind of being like, mm-hmm. where's my next challenge? What's my next, what's my next uh, p- source of like, information and growth? Um, mm-hmm. so, so yeah, like I, 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 it totally resonates with me that you, know, you gotta surround yourself with people, who keep your edges sharp.
2: Absolutely. So if that's one of your shipwrecks, it isn't uh, the yeah. sinking of the Titanic by any means, but it's maybe a capsized boat. Um, yeah. What is, uh, looking back on your career as a digital Marketing guru, I mean professional. I mean, whatever buzzword you want to use. Um, buzzwords,
0: ninja. <laughs> ninja. There
2: you go. Uh, what's one of your proudest moments you can look back on?
0: Oh, that is, wow. Honestly, I think taking the risk to to like leave everything behind that I knew here in, and this is not necessarily a professional moment because again, that's where that five to nine and nine to five meet. Um, but I think that, that taking the risk to pick up my life and move to Dallas, Texas, where I didn't know anybody. I barely knew anything about the city. I definitely had some preconceived notions about the South. Um, and I just took that risk uh, on a personal level to access you know, a professional opportunity was one of those moments where I look back and I, and I look at all the things that I learned I looked at the balance that I restored in my five to nine and my nine to five. Um, I looked at, you know, the, the people that I met on that journey. And I, I, I really think that, that taking that risk was a really proud moment of mine. I think the the company itself and the lessons I learned from the company and, and some of the things I learned the hard way in, in those environments, you know, some of those smaller shipwrecks were, or maybe like where a line was snapped or I lost an anchor or two along mm-hmm. the way. Um, I still am really proud of, of, coming out ahead of those challenges that I saw. I don't see them as shipwrecks. Um, I think there's the quote out there that um, still seas or calm seas don't make a skilled sailor. (laughs) If I'm not mistaken, that's somewhere like in the quote. Something like that,
2: yeah. Yeah, and
0: so I think I had some wicked wild seas when I was actually landlocked in Dallas. And um, navigating through those and l- like looking at those oppor- as the, looking at those each as learning opportunities is what helped me, you know, build the person that I am today, which opened this opportunity to even get to work on a challenge like I am here at Alice. Um, so I'm really, I'm really proud of the fact that I took on that five to nine adventure mm-hmm. and that I worked my butt off and that nine to five adventure and um was able to capitalize and come on the other side and I boomeranged back to Boston but it was for a really great company (laughs) it was for a really great adventure as well too
2: well you've been able to work everywhere in the world you mentioned Sydney Singapore um you know Dallas like you've you've been at kind of everywhere in a way so to be able to be back near your kind of your hometown home neighborhood is pretty awesome so
0: yeah, it's, it's nice, and I, I think that time away was also what I'm proud about, too, for me to only fall further in love with what I have access to here in Boston, and not just my tribes uh, of people who help keep my edges sharp, but, like, I've fallen in love with the city again. Like, I'm looking at the architecture, and I'm like, wow, you just don't, you don't <laughs> see that when you are traveling around the world, and I really appreciate it for what it is. So, that time away, that separation has also made me fall further in love now that I'm back.
2: And what an interesting way to think about growth in that way too, you know, as you're, as you're growing a company, as you're growing a team, as you're growing a business whatever you're growing, or or just you professionally, if you can step back a little bit, get a little perspective, you can dig back in and go even further, maybe so.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love that. It's, I mean, they they say you have to look backwards. I mean, I, I, I don't know a lot about, um, being out there in the open ocean, I used to be an open ocean kayak instructor. We didn't oh. go too far out to sea, um, but you know, when you're out there and you are wayfinding, you have to learn and, and hearken back those lessons that you that you learned and look at the the paths that you've chartered uh, as well to help you be more efficient and more streamlined for the the paths that you charter in the future.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> I love uh, as we're talking about all this, this navigational stuff, um, thinking about the navigational tools. What tools do you think businesses need today to grow uh, in this personal experience world? I mean, obviously, like Alice is obviously a solution, but what are the greater suite of tools that you guys use for this?
0: Yeah, um, so what's really interesting about getting, using PX and getting personal, um, it requires that you have the right person and that you're leaning into the right time. To to get personal as well. So as you look at CX in that cyclical fashion, um, sometimes the wrong people come into your ecosystem, and you're just you know you you have your ICP, and you look and you're just like yeah you're not the right person. And if you even if you do find the right person, sometimes you're not talking with them at the right time. So so for me to to get the right person and to get that right time in front of them and and to start the conversation in the right way about the right subject matter. Um, I'm really loving the the intent data space that we're in right now. Um, Sixth Sense, who uh, is just really helping to equip and arm folks with those with those three things, with the right person at the right time, um, with the right message. That is one of my favorite tools right now to help figure out you know who is on that CX journey and if it's the right time to to chat with them. Okay. I think the intent data is really really important. The other side of of that as well too, obviously I think to, to get your foot in the door to jumpstart that conversation, the right thing to talk about is where tools like Alice come in to play. You have to start that conversation, but there are other tools that you can get the conversation started with. I think getting personal in this way is also really great. Um, But I I think tools like um, outreach and tools like Gong to make sure that you're learning from the conversations, you know, retroactively through Gong's recording systems, but also understanding that there is a way to use that automation to look at that right timing as well, too. If someone's checking out your email or, you know, looking through some of the sequences you've sent, like, that's a right time also to talk about them. So that time-based variable is also really important.
2: Absolutely. Um,
0: I'm also, I'm in customer marketing, so I also really care about the um, customer journey. And I also really care what happens post sale. So as marketers, we spend a lot of time thinking through pre-sale, but in the customer marketing world, like I'm I'm very fervent on the fact that I believe that, you know, customer marketing is the new demand gen. Your customers are out there doing the marketing for your brand and doing the evangelizing for your brand. They're out there and g two crowd leaving reviews. They're talking with friends and family members about your product brand or service and so understanding that cx and the customer journey post-sale is just as important part uh, of part of the puzzle as the demand generation pre-sale is also becoming really important so um you know i, I love platforms that are helping with things like online reputation management uh, my former employer bird is doing a really great job to help brands harness the power of the voice of their customer and use that as another growth engine for them, um, mm. and so so yes, I'm really passionate about um, yeah that that arm of customers and using customers as your new demand gen funnel.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and 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 I've I've said a couple of times in different conversations like, no amount of good marketing will make up for a bad customer experience, mm-hmm. because they're the ones going out on and telling everybody, especially right, right. <laughs> you know, we used to hear. You know, you have a bad experience at a restaurant, they're going to tell a hundred people, they have a good experience, they might tell two yeah. whatever, right? And it's the same. It's, but it's the same thing in all business aspects. How do, we, how do we make sure that we don't make it creepy? Whether it's personalization, <laughs> whether it's personal experience and like, hey, I saw you like cats. Like, wait a minute, you know, wh- where's that balance coming
0: yeah, that is the most commonly asked question I get after we talk and t- talk about personal experience. Um, you know, I've, I've seen BDR's eyes light up at the idea. They're like, oh my gosh, right, I can talk about this and be like, oh, I just saw you were in Fiji on your Instagram, so I thought I'd send you some sunscreen. Like, if you don't have a pre-existing relationship with the person and the person hasn't um, offered you that insight into their life on a one-to-one level, the ability to get creepy happens real fast. (laughs) So there is some social context, some social cues that you can fold into the mix. So for example, another way to think about that, if I just noticed that you went on a trip to Fiji, I might infer that holistically you like to travel or that you have spent some prolonged period of time on an airplane. And so, you know, with that arms with that, you know, armed with that information, I might send you a gift of, you know, a weekender bag where I was like, hey, I noticed you tend to travel a lot. thought this might come in handy with your future travels, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's not. And this is where the rubber meets the road for PX is the power of choice. So you always want to add in that clause there. If this, if if this is not the right gift for you and not the right timing, you know, feel free to exchange this. Feel free to donate this instead. And that's what Alice really activates for folks is that power of choice.
2: Mm.
0: It's like it gives you that out if you do get a little too creepy, but it still lets people feel as though you know you've you've seen, you've you've been seen, you've been like you've recognized them for the individual that they are. Like, hey, you were on a trip. I get, I can infer that you'd like to travel or that you have traveled. If right now a travel uh, gift is not in the right realm for you, go to our marketplace, exchange it for something that might be more helpful if you aren't traveling anytime soon or donate it. That might also be a priority of yours as well too.
2: Yeah, that's good. I, I, it's being specific without being too specific.
0: Yes, exactly. Like too specific. Unless someone has opted, it's similar to like all this, like the era of opting in right now, like people are also opting in to give you that information. If you are, um, if you're chatting with someone and they offer you information, you know, about an upcoming anniversary or they offer you this information about an upcoming trip that they're taking, they're opting you into that personal information it would be terrible for you to not use that information well and, and like, remember that that person had something personal going on. Um, it would also be terrible for you to get too, get more personal than just say like, hey, I saw you for a size eight. <laughs> so I am saying you a size eight pair of sneakers. You know what I mean? That's, that's too personal. They didn't opt into that shoe size, right? Yeah, right.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> so, so yeah, so, so I think that you're right. There's a danger, dangerous space. For folks to, to go into when you do get too personal, but if we still go with the same concepts right now that we're all thinking through about, you know, opting in explicit intent, that explicit intent with the right person and with the right intention can be really powerful to show that moment of PX.
2: Mm-hmm. And I love the, the, the idea of as a receiver of, as a recipient of it, saying to the business sending it to me, you get me. Like that's a powerful moment instead of saying, why are you creeping on me? Um, or, or like this really missed the mark, you know, you get me like, that's such a huge intent, right? The payoff of the intent. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, candidly, that's, that's how I ended up here at Alice. Um, I was on the receiving end of an Alice gift. Um, and that moment that I have and the, the gift that I received, uh, our, our, it was a handwritten note and in the handwritten note, it said, Hey, I noticed you have a, you know, a beautiful eye for photography. I hope this comes in handy. You know, if it doesn't feel free, go jump into our marketplace and exchange it for something that might be more useful. But when I went to take a look at what had been sent to me, it was a picture frame. So it, it was just the right level of personal to say like, Hey, I see you for the person that you are in that five to nine life. And I just hope that this helps to complement that five to nine life instead of being creepy and right. saying like oh hey, well, i open an art gallery for all of your for all of your work you know <laughs> that's a little too much it's right. a little too much but that, or, that oh. moment that emotional resonance <laughs> that i had with that interaction prompted me to like want to work for a team that just cares about letting people be seen for the people that mm. they are and how individualistic they are
2: yeah Okay, great stuff. If, if you could be, you've given a ton of advice and insights and other things, but I want to specifically bear down on one thing. If you could be yeah. a wayfinder for someone else, whether it's a digital marker or whether it's a company looking to grow using PX, either of those scenarios, what would be your first piece of advice as that wayfinder?
0: Ooh, so the, the marketing consultant in me is uh, trying not to go back into like, tell me more about what the goals that you'd like to accomplish, <laughs> um, because that's, right. you know, just our, our muscle our muscle group to, to flex it, something like that. Um, I believe now the companies that are going to stand the test of time are the companies that understand that the... That emotion is really part of the decision-making process, and the evocative types of initiatives that you start to think through um, are going to be the more and more, more important than than ever. Um, I'll, I'll like use an example. You know, if you if you're gonna post something on social media, and it's gonna be something about you and your brand. Make sure that it's something that is value add to the receiving audience and not just self-serving. You know, I talk to a lot of marketing managers and they spend a lot of time saying like, well, you know, like it's about our brand. It's about us. It's about me. It's about I, it's about, you know, what we're trying to ship here. And if we don't spend time thinking through what will be interesting or thought provoking or engaging for the audiences on the receiving end, you're just going to create more noise. And that noise just ends up you know, ruining the fun for the rest of us who are out here who really care about the people on the receiving end of our messaging. Um, and so my advice for them would be like, understand your audience so well that you are personal with them and understand that you have this privilege of being in front of them, whether it be in their inbox and in their social media feed, uh, you know, whether it be, you know, search engine ranking, however, you're getting in front of them, spend the time to understand what does have that emotional resonance with them, and build content that they care about, because that that's where things will will start to fall in place for for digital marketers right now. And also people who are building businesses build things. Yeah. If you if you build it, that, that they care about it, they're, they're going to spend more time in it right now.
2: Mm-hmm. Great advice, my friend. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you want to make sure our viewers and listeners walk away with uh as we as we come to a almost a close, sadly?
0: <laughs> I know it's a bummer that we're we're almost at that that the time here. Um
2: yeah.
0: oh man, we covered so much. We really did. Yeah. Um I would say I guess that the only thing I would I would underscore, I've already said it here, is just to to take risks. You know, we're we're at the place right now where we, we're in, we're at, we're not quite at max saturation in the marketplace right now, but like we're getting pretty close now. Um, and eventually we'll start to see that the, the brands that people start to gravitate to have that emotional uh, tie to their their mm. install base of customers. So look for those moments to step outside our comfort zone of like what has been traditionally, you know, email marketing or nurturing campaigns or what has been in traditionally social media, what's been in traditionally customer advocacy programs. And spend more time thinking through ways that you can innovate on that to get back to our roots when we were selling vacuums door-to-door <laughs> and, and getting mm-hmm. to pull in that personal touch into our conversation with the folks we interact with.
2: Yeah, personal, make it human. Make it love human. It. Yeah. Um, so anybody that wants to connect with you, I'll put some links in the show notes, but where do you send folks to connect with you or Alice or both?
0: or all of the above yeah so if you want to if you want to connect with me um i'm having a lot of fun right now actually on instagram connecting with folks um especially because my five to nine is like omnipresent on that channel so if you want to know what i'm up to five to nine walking with my dog my partner and i are usually hanging out at the beach even in the middle of winter here in new england we're at the beach um yeah hit me up on instagram it's just at MK Gettler, super simple to try not to overcomplicate things there. Um, If you want to know more about Alice though, and some of the cool things we're doing, cool nerdy things we're doing here, um, alice.com is the place to go. And I do recognize that we spell Alice differently than most people might anticipate. So um, I will spell it out for those that are listening in. Um, It's a l y c e.com, alice.com.
2: Perfect. Awesome, we'll put those links in the show notes as well. Uh, Go follow MK, absolutely inspiring, wonderful human. Thank you for being a part of Wayfinding Growth.
0: Oh, the the wonderful human goes right back at you, buddy. Uh, Thank you so much for having me, I'm honored, uh, and can't wait to see more pictures of you and your cats.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it. Post it, tweet it, gram it, email a friend, give the gift of knowledge to someone you know that could benefit from it. And if you really loved it, please consider leaving a rating and written review on your podcast player of choice. And as always, go to wayfindinggrowth.com for resources and past episodes. Remember, we're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Thank you for listening to Wayfinding Growth.